Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. So we were talking Knicks with the guys with Pietro and Rothenberg uh, just now on 98.7 in New York. Jay, but I want to talk with you and Key about Mel Kuyper's mock draft and especially how it relates to my beloved New York football giants. And Evan, our producer, is a big Jets fan. Does and that mean offensive lineman for huh? the Giants? Is that what oh, we're alluding you to? you are damn right. So Mel's mock draft key has uh, Aiden Hutchinson of Michigan and Kayvon Thibodeau of Oregon. There's a lot of the year. Everyone assumed Thibodeau would be the number one guy, but okay. Um, off the board first and second. And Evan Neal, the tackle from Alabama, is third. So he wouldn't be there for the Giants. Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. And then... The Giants pick fifth with, uh, and I don't know how to pronounce his name. Don't yeah. try. Ike McQuanu. Equanu is what Iquanu. it is. Equanu. North um, Carolina State tackle. Equanu. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's uh, Akeem Akeem Okuana. I think that's Iquanu, how you say it. Equanu, I think. Equanu or something like that. I don't know. Akeem? Yeah. That's why I said. Akeem? Let me not try to say it. Yeah, Just yeah. leave it alone. <laughs> I did anyway, though. Yeah, you're, I was like, you just tried to say know something, it. <laughs> guys. Uh, the Giants have two firsts, and they got a second. And if I'm the Giants, unless, like, there's always an, an exception to the rule. If there's some superstar player to position you don't have a need for, but he's clearly special, take him. Figure it out later, mm-hmm. right? So, like, pa- Micah Parsons, grab Micah Parsons, figure it out later, right? But in the absence of a guy like that where you are, no doubt this dude's going to go to the Hall of Fame. I'm the Giants. I'm taking an offensive lineman with my first pick in the first round, the fifth pick. I'm taking an offensive lineman with a seventh pick. I'm using my second rounder on an offense. I want to build the biggest, best, and deepest offensive line in the NFL for my team. Instead of Key squinting and looking, wait, is Pickett going to be a good call? Maybe he's good enough. I'm not worried about anything else. I want to start building the team, and I would do it with the offensive line. No, you should, and and I think that if you're the Giants that look that need offensive help because one way or another you're going to address the quarterback issue, whether you trade for a superstar quarterback or you bring in another quarterback to compete with Daniel Jones, but you need to give them the opportunity. So addressing the offensive line would be big if they decide to go with the NC State guy. If not, there's a much easier name in Charles Cross, a Mississippi State offensive tackle, that they could take a look at as well. I would hope that Evan Neal would drop. I know that Mel has him number three to Houston right now, but if he would drop and you get him and the player from NC State's O-line, it's, these are the things. The player. What'd you say? Yeah. See, I, the I player. ain't going to say it. Y'all ain't going to trick me. Y'all ain't going to have me Iquanu. out here. Iquanu. trying to do it. Iquanu. Yes. Uh, if you were to get those two pieces, then that makes me think about, all right, we always talk about Saquon Barkley. And, Max, we, we talk about this, right? Kind of like bouncing to the outside like not running through the tackles, you start getting individuals like this, you get a chance to see another side of Saquon Barkley, and it adds a different element to your play action. And all of a sudden, even if Daniel Jones isn't the guy, you're like, all right, it just gives you a different multitude of weapons and, I and don't, confidence. And I don't care if Andrew Tom, oh, he's working out at left tackle. Great. Uh, if the best guy's another, I'll take three left tackles on my team. I'll play one at right tackle, and I'll figure out which guard position to play the other. I want an absurd overemphasis, embarrassment of riches on the offensive line. Because, guys, 
Cowboys built their O-line. That, like, the Giants have devoted resources well, their there. Their O-line but key, didn't play that well last game. But, but. but that's because it's been a while. That's my point. Key, when they, their when O-line they, is old, Some of their O-line old are older. No yeah, doubt. Older. Because, but that's my point. They have tried, like, oh, let me see if this third-round pick can buttress the line. But years back, when they first built it, four out of five years, they used their first-round pick on an O-lineman. Four mm. out of five yeah, but they also hit. They also hit pay dirt. They was able to get Lyle Collins in a steal because an unfortunate situation happened right before the draft out of LSU. Then he wind up becoming undrafted because everybody took him off the board. They signed him to a massive free agent deal, and then it worked out. And then when you think about the future Hall of Famer in Smith, the left tackle, and then you know, so you got Zach Martin. You got different pieces that's there. You can build an offensive line through the first round. The Cowboys have just historically has always done a tremendous job dating all the way back to Jimmy Johnson, or even before that with Tom Landry, about getting certain offensive linemen to flourish yeah. within the Dallas Cowboys system. That was the Troy Aikman years and the Emmitt Smith years, a cr- maybe the greatest offensive line of all time. It's like in the conversation. What do you think of Ojabo, uh, the, the linebacker from Michigan, Key? Do you have an opinion formed of him in terms of the, the, you know, how high the potential is? I think he's a I think he's a good fit for the Giants in that position. I think he falls somewhere in that seven to fifteen range um at the linebacker spot. I watched him play. He moves around well. He's a sort of not as big as you would like at the linebacker position, but a lot of NFL teams don't use huge linebackers anymore because they gotta be able to cover beat three down guys on third down. They gotta be able to cover down if need be. Um I like him. I mean you know, I like him. I don't dislike him. Yeah, I, I mean, like that good. to me, listening to you and, and, and the level of enthusiasm in your voice, don't want him. Like, if you have a guy, <laughs> if Key's there going, yo, a job was going to go to the Hall of Fame if he stays healthy, bet. Then let's skip an offensive lineman. Otherwise, buttress the line. What about the Jets, Key? When you look at the Jets, um, Mel has Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, going fourth to the Jets. And then at 10, Drake London, the SC wideout. Where are you with those guys? Well, remember, Mel's mock draft is 1.0. This thing will change 30 times by the time draft day come up before he finally hits on all his targets that he's targeting. When you look at Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame, a little bit of an injury, a little injury-prone, big rangy dude, though. He can go from sideline to sideline with the best of them. I think he runs at about 6'3", probably 200 pounds or so. So he's a big safety, but a lot of injuries. Uh, He missed – he missed most of, if not half the season, I would say. This year he opted out, didn't play in the Fiesta Bowl. I think he got hurt against USC, but he's also been hurt in the past. Um, you know, then when you look at the Jets, where are they picking again? So Four it, and ten. Four and ten. Because what, they got what, that, they got that uh, Jamal Adams pick plus their own pick. And at ten, they're saying what? They're saying Drake London. Oh, so Drake London is the receiver from USC. Yeah, first, who, first receiver off the board, by the way. What a dope I like name. him. He's an ex basketball player, Jay. Um, yeah, got like nice vertical leaping ability. He's he's physical, uh, not the fastest guy, not as twitchy as you would like. But I also can understand that he is a basketball player, so it's going to take time to get into a football mode. But you know, I think taking him in the ten is a little high for my money. He's coming off a severe ankle injury as well. But I think he is one of the top five receivers in this year's draft. Key, so obviously, look, they hit last year with Elijah Moore. He's more of a 5'10", a speedster kind of speed threat. 
But would, do you see them utilizing if they were to go with a guy like Drake London due to the fact that he's 6'5", 210 pounds, that he could be that – he could win those jump balls, he could be that key red zone target for Zach Wilson? Oh, absolutely. He'll be a big red zone target. Um, that's the reason you draft him is because you believe he can move the chains. He's a big third down possession type receiver for you. He could do things that you hadn't seen in a jet uniform since the guy number 19 wore it. But um, anyway, that's a whole nother situation. And when you look at it, he's a good pick for him. I just don't know if 10 is a little high, but Mel could certainly explain that when he joins us. Where, who do you think should be the first wideout off the board, Key? It, it, you know, receiver position is, is dicey. It depends on what you're looking for. Right in that position, it's like anything when you're drafting. Are you looking for a smaller, quicker, twitchy guy like a Chris Olave out of Ohio State? Or are you looking for a home run hitter, an all-out baller like Jamison Williams out of Alabama? Or are you saying to yourself, "Well, you know what? I I can Garrett Wilson gives me what I'm looking for out of Ohio State." So it all just depends on what you're looking for. In that particular position. You know, I got to say, to me, the Jets are in the same boat as the Giants in the sense that if there is a slam dunk wideout where it's like, ooh, give Zach Will, okay, I get it. Like, you know, Jamar Chase for Joe Burrow, okay. In the absence of that, Vera Tucker's good. Uh, uh, Becton, when he gets back, is real good. good. I'm looking to protect. Zach Wilson has another two years of runway for me, right? This is his rookie year. In the old days, he started. I mean, I'm not expecting anything yet. I would go protect him, like go again, fortify. Now, again, if you have a wide out that can grow with him, go get him. If you believe that Kyle Hamilton, because I could hear the enthusiasm in your voice about him, Key, is a difference maker, okay. But if you can't identify, no, this cat is just different than the others, go protect your quarterback because he's a puppy but, but and I'm has some a, runway. If I'm taking a safety at four, though, mm-hmm. I bet he better be Sean Taylor. Right. <laughs> he got to make the hole. Yeah. Oh, he got to be Sean Taylor. He better be He better be Sean Taylor, Ronnie Lott, Darren Woodson. Like, it, that's what he got to be for me if I'm taking the safety at four. And even Jamal Adams, who had a very high floor, well, you know, the Jets dealt him, and it was good that they dealt him. They got, two, they got a couple of firsts. Smart business moves by Jamal and the Jets. He got his money, and he got to, he got to get out of hell. And the Jets got their picks. Okay, Key, you just said it depends what you're looking for. But you do this with quarterback buckets, too. I, you know, like, I want an order for you. Well, because you. Here, here, here's why, though, uh, and I almost called you Evan. It's Zubin. Um, <laughs> Zubin, stop. <laughs> what? Um, here, here, here's why, though, Max. Yeah. It's because Chris Olave and me are not the same. Mm-hmm. We play the same position, but we are not the same player. But nevertheless, so, you're right, and I get it. Just like Kyler Murray is very different from Mac Jones or something. But they play the same position. But so, but I can almost guarantee you to a fault. Bill Belichick ain't taking no damn Kyler Murray. So I understand it's very. <laughs> you're like, look, these are not these values are not absolute. They're based on uh, circumstances. It's like saying, would you rather have a dollar or a pound or a euro? You're like, well, I need to check the market to see how that's being valued right now. Okay. So what I'm saying, though, is key. Right now for you, there's a board with receivers. You don't have anyone on your team. You are starting your team with this pick, and it must be a receiver. 
which one are you taking first out of this class? Mm. It sounded to me like Jameson Williams, but you tell me. I, I would take Drake London okay. out of this class first because right. I can do more with Drake London. I can put his hand in the ground. I can put him in the slot, mismatches up on linebackers and strong safeties. If they decide to put a corner, we can run the ball. He'll block the hell out of him. I can line him outside on a three-by-one, put him on the backside, let him be my ex, let him run hitches and slants and quick outs and comebacks, skinny posts. That'll be my guy over there. When I get into the red zone, I can move him around and do different things with him. I like that a lot more. But then also at the same time, I like Jamison Williams as well. Um, I'm not – I'm not all on Chris Olave. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, you know, because how about Garrett Wilson Key? He's okay. I mean, it's fine. Is I think it, they're, I think they're all stop? fine. Is he six feet? No, no, six feet is big for a receiver in the NFL. That's considered a big receiver, man. Hmm. What? Yeah, that's considered a bigger receiver. What? No, it's yeah. not. A six foot receiver is not a bigger receiver. I mean, Odell seems small. What's Odell? Six so, six so two? now you're getting ready to tell a dude that played the position. I'm getting ready to tell a big true. receiver who is you, six uh, foot four and change. No, I'm a giant. Look, but you, but they're you, big though. That's a big receiver, man. I would six say feet, you could six argue one is a big Williams receiver. Is six two is a big receiver. Yeah. Drake London six, six five. five. That's a that's big a receiver. giant receiver. Okay, fine. That's a Those giant giants. receiver. I would say six feet is not a big receiver. I would Odell not Beck- big Odell receiver. Beckham is a big receiver, man. Odell Beckham is not little. O- o- well, o- Odell not, is like, what, six one and a half, six two? Yeah, I wouldn't call him a big receiver. No, either. he ain't he's six a, two. He's a middle no, size he's probably receiver. Six, 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 yeah, one. six feet tall. You think of him like that's, six? That's a, right. Man, that's a big receiver. What do you think? Court- so what would you consider a big corner? Well, uh, corners uh, are smaller what, than receivers. A six-foot corner is, is different than a six-foot receiver. No, it's not. Wait. No. Key corners uh. are corners are generally shorter than receivers. If if you got a corner that's six foot, man, that's a big receiver. I mean, a big corner. Okay, you could argue that. I think. Yeah, that's a big corner. And if you yeah. got a receiver that is you, so you think Stephon Diggs is small? What's Stephon Diggs? Stephon Diggs is six feet. Really? I think of him as taller than that. But yeah, if he say, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say six feet is a small receiver, but I wouldn't say it's big. <laughs> Yeah, he's six feet tall. Six feet. No, I don't, I, I'm I not getting – AJ, I, I can't mess around. I asked you, Key. I'm asking you. I don't, this I don't, dude I'm asking you. crazy. So, I Jay, you'd be a Max. very big receiver. I'm a big receiver. Oh, You're yeah, a big, he would be, that makes me feel good. He would be a big receiver that wouldn't go across the middle. Definitely not going across the middle. Hey, wouldn't no be no good. See? No wouldn't be no good to me. On my tippy-toes, I would be a big receiver. AJ, on my tippy-toes, I'd be a big receiver. I just got to stand on my toes. I don't want to die. Hey. I wouldn't even want I wouldn't even want you on my team, Jay. You don't go across the middle. That's Sorry fine. to tell That's you. That's why I play the other sport, Key. Well, I got news. Jay would be throwing you the ball. Jay was a point guard. He'd be a quarterback. Mel no, Kuyper. I don't want a quarterback. I got no, a rifle, sorry. Key, though. The only thing about Jay is quarterback, I got to be able to see the ball come out. Key, the only thing about Jay as quarterback is don't ask him if you're going to win a playoff game. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> don't ask him. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I, I, I just want to continue to play look, guys, hard I'm for just my have, team. Hey, hey, look, I just took the, the key book of how to actually talk to the media. I've studied the manual, Digested all thousand it. pages. Yep. And I just want to be out here. I want to be the best I can be. And I just want to win. back. Mel <laughs> Kuyper is going to join us at 9, 10 a.m. And the first quarterback off the board is not until 
11 overall. No top 10 quarterbacks, according to Mel at the moment. Although, it's funny how these things have a way of changing as draft approaches. Quarterbacks start to rise, right? Malik Willis. Well, everybody from, uh, does. Liberty is the first quarterback selected in Mel's mock draft. 1.0, as Key said. This is 1.0. It'd be a lot, like, more information comes out. There are going to be a lot of changes. Well, what kind of information? Like, who's going to be the GM of a given team, right? There, there are open GM jobs and, and coaching jobs and stuff, and that will all affect who these teams select. Is there any quarterback in the draft, Key, that you feel, you know, you look at this guy and you go, people might be missing on this. This guy has some upside. You know, I, there's really – it's not a strong quarterback draft. You got to draft somebody. Um, Malik Willis is an interesting guy out of Liberty. I watched him play against Ole Miss. I only seen a handful of his games this year and last year. And I, I didn't walk away overly impressed. He's got a lot of athletic ability, uh, but he's still such a raw talent. Um, so I'm not really – Gung ho on that, Kenny. Kenny Pickett out of Pitt. I've watched him play for several years. Solid, solid guy that could turn into an NFL starter and 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 be that guy that is a long term starter in the NFL. Um, Matt Carell. I know a lot about him out of out of Southern California, Westlake Village kid. Was originally committed to USC and decommitted and a whole bunch of other stuff. Texas, I think it was, before he finally landed at Ole Miss. The only thing about Matt that makes me scratch my head is Lane Kiffin has always done a tremendous job with coaching quarterbacks, and Steve Sarkeesian as well. But when they get away from them and get to the NFL, those guys seem like they forgot how to play football. That's the only reservation that I would have with Matt Carell because he is a a tough, uh, you know what, um, and he he's he's one of those dudes that's there to play. He'll run the ball. He can throw. He can make all the throws, all that. Sam Howell, I'm not sold on. Mm. I saw him in North Carolina. I, I'm so, up and I down like to say you can. I can say you can keep him. You know, it's one of those quarterbacks. You're like, oh man, you can keep him. I'm good. Um, but those are the guys right there that that you would look at teetering around the first round. Yeah, it doesn't sound to me like the answer is going to be in the draft. Although, as everyone points to Tom Brady in the sixth round, and you can always find the gem, and you know, Dak in the fourth, and Russell Wilson, and hey, Max, yeah, when did Tom Brady enter the league? No, I don't need I don't need an exact year from you, but in the, it, it, the I'm at so the tired beginning of this Wait, century. So. I'm so tired at the beginning of of, of this. <laughs> So, in other words, we are. It's almost like he he came out of college at the end of the last century. But wait, though, we're in the third. I, I'm so tired of here. Oh, you can always find a guy. You know, Tom Brady, the sixth round. Well, how, how come they ain't found no more sisters? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. almost curse right there. Yeah, not in the sixth. So you ain't gonna tired. find it in the yeah. sixth. But I should, but look, I did I did point out a couple guys in the fourth. No, not you. Just, Just in general, yeah. you hear people. Always go back to the Tom Brady deal. Oh, Tom Brady went the sixth round, and they ain't found one since. And also, that's called the exception that proves the rule. One dude, <laughs> but you can in the fourth round. Let's say, like you. In other words, quarterbacks can slip, but there's no one who jumps out in this class. Well, Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott slipped to the. Well, I don't necessarily know that he slipped to the fourth round. I think he went where he was supposed to go, but the Cowboys found him in the fourth round, and he is now the highest paid. Quarterback in the National Football League. Yeah, just about. On average. Yeah. 
Really? He gets more than Mahomes on average? I think so. I think he's a, I think he's a tick above. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did his after Mahomes. Oh, the Chiefs Mahomes got a deal. Market, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, look, I, I, this is one an, another reason this draft – that, number one, people are looking at the trade market. Will Aaron Rodgers be moved? Will Russell Wilson be moved? What's Derek Carr's future going to look like? And two, why I'm saying don't squint to try to see what you want to see. If there's no quarterback there and you have a need at quarterback, draft other positions. For me, it would be the O-line, and I would slide a young quarterback behind a great O-line when he presents himself. But when a guy the, like that shows up in the draft, right? But that's what guys do in the league, though, that are in charge of drafting guys, Max, is they squint. They squint. They force themselves into taking somebody because yeah. they fall in love with that person because they've been watching them, and then they go, oh, I really like this guy, and they fall in love even though you're telling them that dude can't play. And you they, know what else? They, it doesn't matter. Their minds are already made up. His incentive is to think he could play. Like, in the sense that there's an expression, it's hard to talk – it's hard to explain something to someone when their livelihood depends on not understanding it, right? Well, the corollary to that is, you know, it's hard to tell someone that this player isn't very good when their job is to go out and find a good player. We saw one stud quarterback traded last offseason, and it proved to be worth it in one game on Monday night. That's next. Keyshawn J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. This was a lack of composure for the Arizona Cardinals. I thought David Long's touchdown to be able to put us up 21-0 was, was huge for us. Bounces in the pocket, hit from behind, flips it forward. It is intercepted, intercepted, a pick six, David Long Jr. Matthew Stafford has his first playoff victory. You know, what they did in the first half, I think they held him to 40 yards. You know, I think it was one of the best performances in playoff uh, history in the first half. Just proud to be a part of this team. Happy to get one, looking for more. Keyshawn, J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, and the divisional round is all set. Starts Saturday with the Bengals and Titans. Ooh, it's a good one. Different styles. Either one can win. Number one seed versus a guy in Joe Burrow we think can win Super Bowls. It concludes Sunday night with Chiefs 
Bills. I love this one. Chiefs might play as well as they can, and the Bills may just be better than that. Or maybe they elevate the Chiefs' play, like where a rival elevates you past where you you know were originally were. In between, we got two great NFC matchups. Niners-Packers. Hear Dan Orlovsky talking about how the Niners, if you had to draw it up, that's the style to beat the Packers. Of course, the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, so maybe not. And Rams-Bucks. <laughs> that's another good one. Rams prove one thing Monday night against the Cardinals. Their acquisitions were worth it, at least so far. They went all in on Matthew Stafford. Two firsts and a third, and their former number one overall pick in the draft, who had been to two Pro Bowls and been to a Super Bowl with them for Matt Stafford. And he only threw 17 passes, 13 of 17, for 202 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, Importantly, no interceptions. It's the fewest pass attempts in a win in his entire career. Stafford was brought there to do the thing Keyshawn Johnson talks about. Sound and, and, and you know be secure with the football and all that stuff. And here and there when you need to make a play, have the talent to be able to make that play. That was Stafford. OBJ didn't work out in New York because he didn't have a quarterback to throw him the ball. It was the end of Eli's career. No offensive line. Didn't work out in Cleveland. No rhythm, no, no chemistry with Baker Mayfield. So L.A. gets him on the cheap. Middle of the season, four catches for 54 yards and a touchdown, and he threw a 40-yard pass, Von Miller. That dude is a Super Bowl MVP who still has something in the tank. Six tackles, three tackles for losses, a sack and a quarterback hit. Cam Akers. Hmm. Returning from a torn Achilles, he tore it in July. He's already back because he's made of adamantium or something. I don't know. <laughs> 17 carries, 55 yards in his first game of the season. And Sony Michelle, who they got after Akers went down. Akers went down in July, picked up Michelle in August. 13 carries for 58 yards. Key, we talk a lot about on this, sh- a lot on this show <clears throat> about reputation versus reality, right? How much of it is brand name and how much of it is still real. But there are degrees to that, right? Like... Arizona picks up J.J. Watt and A.J. Green, and it's not like they can't play anymore, but they're a little more removed from their peak than a guy like Vaughn Miller or, or uh, Odell Beckham Jr. These guys still got it, don't they? Yeah, uh, I, I think so, Max. You know, when you, when you pick up guys, you pick up players – Sometimes you're picking up the name in the jersey of what it used to be. And Von Miller had an injury the missed time a year ago. If Von Miller would have been healthy, he would have been able to continue to contribute at a very high level for the Denver Broncos. But Denver needed to move on because of money, and they weren't going anywhere, so it was best to remove Von. OBJ's situation is totally different because he could still play. He was just in a bad situation with a bad quarterback. Then when you start to look at guys like Sonny Michel, the backfield in New England was loaded. His opportunities was elsewhere once Cam Akers got hurt for the Rams. And so when you look at J.J. Watt, J.J. Watt was at the end, man. J.J. Watt been at the end for several years, but we continue to keep pushing the J.J. Watt narrative because people like J.J. Watt. Yeah, the thing about and, Von Miller, Key, is if you looked at his rates, 
right? Like, however much he was playing, his rate of getting to the quarterback was still at a very high level. And this is a dude that's won an MVP in the Super Bowl. Like, he plays big in big moments. It just occurs to me that the, whatever you want to say about the Rams, whether it was a good gamble or a bad gamble to dra- sacrifice all the draft picks because they, you know, they already paid two firsts and a third for Stafford, then a second and a third for Von Miller, it's so far so good. Like, all the acquisitions that's okay. are working. But that's okay, Jay, to pay that for that. You're paying for the playoffs. Uh, that, that's what we – because we already feel like we're going to make the playoffs, but I'm paying for performances in the playoffs. I'm not paying him at this time in his career for regular season performance. Key, I just find this whole thing funny with the Rams. It's like when these moves are being made by Les Snead, and Sean McVay, everybody was like, oh, Von Miller, he's hurt. He hasn't really been playing. Or this team, you know, a lot of questions around their defense throughout the regular season. Is it the same? Down the stretch, it's like, well, Matthew Stafford, he's thrown you know, eight interceptions in his last four games. It felt like they were being overly criticized, right? Like we, were, like we try to find what's wrong with teams instead of saying, hey, like, they actually finished winning the division, the toughest division in the National Football League, and look how they have prevailed. And now all of a sudden, like I just don't want to get caught with fool's gold. I, I think they are a really good football team. Are they as good as the beatdown they put on the Cardinals? I don't know if they're that good. I think they are. I think they're a good football team. But, but uh, like that good, Key? Like that was that was a beatdown. Like I, I, it's okay. It wasn't, it wasn't really a beatdown. What it was is it was more of a. Damn, in control, they were in control of the entire game, and Arizona couldn't get back in it, so to speak. Um, but you, let's need in them. They paid for Von Miller for the playoffs. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, they don't have any more draft capital. Everything Ever. they would, they put everything into this season. And Max Kellerman always talking about. Well, he doesn't. Matthew Stafford doesn't need to win a championship now. He can wait. No, 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 no. They pay for this yeah, season I think, I, I think to you're go right to the about Super that. Bowl. I think you're right about that because of this. My, 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 as Mike Tomlin said, global point was that as long as Matthew Stafford wins a Super Bowl in Los Angeles, mission accomplished. But key, it seems to me, what you're saying is pay attention to the details. Because they mortgaged the future, meaning not past Stafford's career, meaning past this season in terms of draft picks – and because mm-hmm. of the age of some key players, mm-hmm. the future is now. Like that, so so yeah. even yeah, Cooper, so, so Cooper the best Cup, chance they have to win is right now. Cooper Cup's not catching 145 balls again next year. Yeah, Although, they're just not going to let him. They're not going to let him go for 2,000 yards again. They're just not. The NFL, when they want to, they decide to. They will take you completely out of the game plan. Okay, so that's why the Rams have got to hit this year. Because you don't know what the future holds. Last year, Aaron Donald got dinged up in the Green Bay Packer championship uh, playoff game. He had to sit out the, the playoff game to a degree. Mm. So you just don't know. Jalen Ramsey is not going to be able to just lock down every receiver every single week. Yep, but as Jay points out, all of a sudden Robert Woods next year, plus Odell, plus Cooper Cup. And, but and we don't know. But we don't know where Robert Woods is going to be. Like we shall see. That's right. ACL. We shall see. There's a chance We're that this team is a little deeper than people sport. realize. One team has too many cooks in the kitchen. That's next. Keyshawn J. Willemax, ESPN Radio Series XM Channel 80.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. Uh, we are joined now by the great Jeff Van Gundy, J-B-G. ladies and gentlemen, top coach and broadcaster. Coach, how you doing? Good. How's everything? Good. Now that you're here, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. We're thrilled to be joined by you, of course. Coach, what do you see when your eyes are on John Morant? Well, he is just, you know, the athletic stuff stands out but I think what he's really improved on is his shot making you know his three-point shooting is getting better his uh, finishing game is very very good and I think he has the leadership intangibles to be the best player on a really really good team and you don't find those guys very often that have both uh, the leadership abilities and the athletic skills necessary to be that type of player. And so, you know, Memphis, they're not overly talented uh, outside of him, but they have a bunch of really good players, and it shows you the value of depth, particularly in the regular season where so many guys are in and out due to injury, COVID, the whole thing. Jeff, I know we're not at the halfway point to the season yet, all-star break. But as of right now, if you had to evaluate Ja Morant, would he be in the MVP conversation? And if he were, where would you have him? Yeah, I think, you know, the MVP conversations of, you know, you have the quarter poll, like people will do MVP and halfway poll. And I think the really hard part with the MVP discussion is actually coming up with a definition of what you think most valuable is, right? Because... Um, when when he was hurt, they actually played better winning basketball than they do now. So does that help or, you know, does that hurt his chances? All I know is when I look on the floor, I see a team that overachieves. I think they're uh, brilliantly coached. Uh, I think Morant and Desmond Bain uh, together have had phenomenal years. They've totally turned around their defense, which is, you just don't see that for a while they were last in the NBA in defense Mm -hmm. and now they're just a terrific defensive team. So um, he'd be, you know, certainly in the top 10 uh, that you talk about, but there's so many worthy candidates, you know, and, you know, that's why I don't really, I never have voted uh, for the MVP, nor do I care to. Coach, speaking of MVPs, a guy like Kevin Durant was certainly, making his case to be mentioned amongst the MVP candidates. 
now that he's down and injured, what do you make of that injury and how will it affect the team short-term and long-term going forward? Well, you have to think it's going to – first of all, he, you can make the case he's the best player in basketball and one of the best that's ever played. I mean, I just – I marvel at his scoring ability, obviously, but I, I think where he's shown such great growth over his time in the NBA – is his handle and his passing, and he truly is an underrated defender. That wingspan and his intelligence at that end of the floor, I think because of the great scoring ability, is often overlooked. So it's obviously going to hurt them, hurt their chances you know, uh, for home court advantage. Um, but Harden has it within him to carry the team, much like Durant did last year. You know, we've seen Harden – be put in this spot, these spots where he's he's been asked to carry a uh, really heavy burden, and he's up to the task. Uh, and so I think they're going to be able to stay afloat. And really, what gives me hope for Brooklyn, I love the way Sharp and Edwards, their two rookies since being inserted into the starting lineup, have performed. I think they play really hard. Um, they've got athleticism and size. And I think it's really given them a boost. And I think a lot of their development uh, or their development will go a long way, ways towards giving Harden and Kyrie Irving, when he plays on the road, enough support for them to stay afloat during Durant's absence. Jeff Van Gundy, our ESPN NBA analyst, joining us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Jeff, it seems like there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen for the Los Angeles Lakers. You have talks of Kurt Rambis sitting in on coaching meetings, and I know he's been around the organization for a while. Um, you know, a lot of heat on Frank Vogel, issues with them cap-wise as it relates to what other players can they bring into the fold. What do you see as being the main problem with the Lakers and their performance of, as of late? They're not good. They're not good enough. I, just, I, don't, I don't understand why sometimes – we can't just admit when a team isn't good enough. Like, they're not. They're not healthy enough. They're not good enough. You know, you take Anthony Davis out. Everybody knew when they made the Westbrook trade that they were depleting their level of depth. Mm -hmm. So that gets depleted. Uh, Westbrook's played up and down. And then you have James's injury, and you have now Davis's injury, and you act surprised that you're, you're not as good as you would hope to be, I, it, it defies logic to me. And this idea that Frank Vogel or changing coaches <laughs> is where you're going to find improvement is just, it's just so laughable. You know, it's just like some, sometimes you can just look in the mirror as an organization and say, hey, we tried our best. What we did has yet to work out. We're going to stay the course, and we're going to see where it takes us. But you have to have, you know, the word and cliche now in sport is accountability. But what, I, what, what I've seen um, for the most part in sport is when there's blame to be accepted, people run from that. And when there's credit to be accepted, people run towards that. And it's the opposite of accountability. Frank, Frank Vogel doesn't need Kurt Rambis or anybody else 
in coaches' meetings. Mm-hmm. They have they have a very very good coaching staff, and Frank Vogel is a championship level coach. What they need is better health and better players, and coach. those two things will give them the best chance to win. Coach, talking to Jeff Van Gundy here, Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. <clears throat> I've, I was saying before the season when they made this deal. Westbrook, it's now four consecutive seasons. Because obviously what you're saying about they're not good enough, they're not healthy enough, clearly that is the case. But four consecutive seasons, he's been on a new team with new teammates. And what I noticed going into this year, like fool me once, shame on you, fool me four times, shame on me, is first halves, it's always like, boy, Westbrook, he's lost something. He's not shooting it well enough. He's not good. He's not a good fit, da 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 and in the second half, he's kind of figured his teammates out and his, his role out, and he plays very, very well in the second half. Is there reason to believe that this year will be any different? Well, listen, I think they're all like, you know, Washington to me is a different thing because they weren't really playing for much, right? So let's, let's take them out. The Houston situation, their style was so different. It was so isolation heavy with Harden um, that they then traded their centers much like what LA is doing with Westbrook. Now they didn't trade their centers, but they've, you know, Howard starts now, but you know, if they got Davis back, they would eliminate basically uh, their centers to open up the lane for him. So you have to adapt and adjust uh, to his skills because the way they've constructed the roster, they need, to highlight his strengths and try to cover for his non-strengths and giving him more room in the paint does just that. Now he didn't really particularly like how he was used in Houston um, off the ball as a screener, you know, like they didn't, he didn't really like that. And so I think it's probably been hard, you know, Oklahoma city, he, he sort of had his run. He, he, he had the ball in his hands all the time. Then he goes to Houston with Harden. Um, he has to share it more than he shared it since when Durant was and Harden were in Oklahoma City to to Washington with Beal and now to James and Davis in L.A. I think these, these changes, um, while that's what everybody from Westbrook to the Laker organization wanted, mm-hmm. I think sometimes we can overlook – just the challenges of constructing a roster to highlight Westbrook's strengths. That is the great Jeff Van Gundy, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks a million for jumping on with us, Coach. Thanks, Jeff. All right, Coach. You got it. Take care, guys. Uh huh. So one NFL coach, guys, is trying to fix global issues. They're global issues that he's going to fix. Well, that's next. Keyshawn J. Willimax on ESPN Radio. And Sirius XM Channel 80, or you may be listening on your smart speakers, and you can always download the podcast. You get the idea. Sit right there and vegetate till we get back. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.